Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening and welcome to the one, the only Hog Talk podcast live from the Sterling Soap and Roastery Studios, part of the Believe in Buzz Radio Networks, where you can hear us on all podcast platforms, as well as Buzz to 106.7 in Central Arkansas. So please like, rate, and review our podcast, and all live shows are presented to you by Arkansas Brewing Company in downtown Ozark. I'm your host, Porter Hayes, and alongside me is Adam Hall. We're also brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs. Get all the latest odds, lines, and matchups for NFL, baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers. Include live betting and your favorite casino card games available to play right from your phone. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, bet online where the game starts. And Adam, heart, heartbreaking loss yeah. to heartbreaking end to the game, which we can get into the what ifs and the, you know, best or what later on on the decision making. But, you know, before we start that, you know, I want to give a shout out to both teams for what they did for Greg Brooks. And I do want to apologize to Blake Rafino. When we had him on, we didn't mention, you know, that our thoughts and prayers are with him. So I want to start the show with, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers are with the family of Greg Brooks. And hopefully that, you know, the recovery and everything goes well. But I love the gesture. And the biggest thing I wanted to bring up is how fitting, and this is how small world football works. They found out about it, the surgery, and then, of course, the two teams that he has previously played for just so happened to play that weekend. So I really mm-hmm. thought that it was really crazy how that all unfolded. But, yeah, I really want to send our thoughts and prayers out to the family. Definitely. I mean, it was on LSU fans, Arkansas fans. I mean, the whole nine. You saw the outpour um, second half of the week when everything was announced. So, you know, Football is family. Everybody understands that, you know, people's lives are what matter. So, you know, everybody showed their continued support for Greg Brooks, even though, you know, he is now on the opponent's side. But that doesn't change anything for what he did with Arkansas and just being a human being in general. And that's where sports still, still in this day and age can bring us together, you know, and and bring two teams, you know, just until that clock strikes, until the, you know, the opening kickoff, people can come together and, and really share a, a common bond with that. And I hate the circumstances of those other. But on to the game, and again, I mean, we talked last week. They didn't necessarily have to win the game, but they had to come out, and I wanted to see fight. I wanted to see passion. Look, the offensive line, they had their held feet held to the fire last week. We gave them criticism. Everybody gave them criticism. Yes, there were some penalties, but I'm telling you that they did a lot better. They showed push. They gave KJ time to throw the ball. The run game seemed to get – I mean, I know they didn't run the ball as well as we figured they would at this point in the season. But overall, it was a really good effort for the offense. Um, 
Luke Haas is is a star born before our eyes. Last week it was his coming out party, and then it's like this week he's like, okay, I'm going to do it again. So we have, and I've said this past two years, three years, you know, having a, a quality tight end can really help this team. And we've already seen glimpses of what it can do for this offense. You've got a tight end and highs that you can throw to. You've got Tesla and Armstrong you know you can go to, and then a running quarterback. All three aspects of that game that you have. And as this machine starts rolling, again, with that loss to LSU, maybe that was a hard-fought game that can really start to give them motivation moving forward into this week against uh, Texas A&M. Yeah, there was, I mean, a lot of improvements um, compared to the prior week. There's still, I think, a lot of the penalties. I mean, some were kind of meh. A lot of them, I think, were uh, discipline and mentality. Um, you know, the blatant hold, uh, I think, on one of the touchdowns. But um, we looked uh, a lot improved. You noticed even with KJ, um, him moving around the pocket, and when he would take off, he actually had the space to take off versus everything yes. being collapsed around him. So he was able to get out and then create passes, too, that, um, you know, we got receivers downfield with his scrambling. Yeah. So, you know, it bought time and whatnot, especially for Luke Haas. I mean, that he got a lot of time added to get behind the defense with K.J. running. That that was a very good innovation or, or what mm-hmm. you call improv, you know, where you're running your route and you break off your route and you find mm-hmm. him for a touchdown. I seen a lot of trust. Like, you know, and that's where I want to give the biggest kudos to KJ and I want to give the biggest kudos to the offensive line because after last week, you could just sit there and been like just gunning at the offensive line. Hey, guys, we're doing this. We need to do that. But the way he was moving around in the pocket, he showed that he still trusted his offensive line. And there's no greater motivation of those guys blocking for him. They see that he still trusts them. And it gained a lot of plays and positive yardage for them. And that, heading into this game, and that's where I wanted to bring in having this LSU game before the Texas A&M game. I want to see how that plays out. I want to see if that has any kind of caveat of, yes, it was a hard-fought game. Yes, it was a loss. But it wasn't another crazy loss to Texas A&M game that happens every single year and and now you're moving on to, say, if you flip it, then now you're moving on to L- at LSU, at Ole Miss, and at Alabama. Now you had a hard-fought game at LSU. You get to go to Dallas. So, I mean, yes, it is an away game per se, you know, but it's still mm-hmm. – I, I think this will give them some motivation moving forward. And also, they how their defense was and opened some blitzes. We've seen some blitzing. We've seen some good pressure from the defense. I think they just got gassed in the end. Uh, yeah, I definitely think at the end when a lot of the penalties started coming in, kind of like the BYU game, a lot of it came, you know, the second half. Um, their energy level, whatever it was, being down that far into the game, who knows. But it was – Definitely going into the A&M game, you know, we all talked uh, with our score predictions and whatnot. You know, a lot of them out there were anywhere from 10 to the spread at around 17 or more. Yeah. So, I think, you know, the loss by three and what is probably going on in these players' head, I mean, is maybe a little candle going into Texas A&M versus if they had just been completely blown out of the water. And another thing, you know, going into the Texas A&M side of things, you'd mentioned that 
their, their quarterback had either got injured or another guy took mm-hmm. over. Well, you know, Max Johnson come in, went 7 for 11 for 123 yards and two touchdowns against a defense that really hasn't seen him. There's no really film on him this year. Well, now Arkansas has that advantage. We've seen what he can do. We know how to really, whether they go back with Connor or go with Max, we have some film and we have something to prepare for both of them. So that's going to be another aid when it comes to trying to predict this game. But also, you know how to scheme, try to scheme against uh, Bobby Petrino. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you've seen what he did at Missouri State. You've seen what he's been able to do at Texas A&M, and you're very familiar with each other. So that's going to be a good battle when it comes to how is, you know, the defense going to scheme up against Texas A&M. But back to the LSU part of it, you know, this was a team, LSU, that, you know, they dropped to Florida State, and they're on the same kind of mission they were last year. There's still hope for them to make it to the SEC championship game out of the West. So, you know, you got their best shot last night, and I'll tell you what, I was very, very proud of the effort and how this team responded, especially with even like what we've said and everybody else, the criticism. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't do nothing but give give them a huge shout-out and really be proud of their effort. Yeah, and like you were talking with the um, the confidence that he, you know, we kind of saw with the offensive line, I think that he um, also, you started seeing that confidence grow with the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. He was making throws against LSU that he was not making the first three weeks. You know, he was he was trying to get more wide open passes, if you will, in the first three weeks, and he was trying to thread the needle, get the ball where only his receivers could get it, and we just hadn't seen a whole lot of that. I saw a lot of trust, obviously, in Has, but then also I felt like with um, Armstrong, it's grown a lot mm-hmm. too. Which he, he's already showed up the last few weeks, but you know, he just added to that, and it was finally good to see more passes going Broden's way because I you know they're trying to get him involved. Um, I don't know if. Satania is just not a part of the offensive scheme or what, I still think that they've got to somehow get him involved. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and too, I mean, it might be a part of rhythm. You, you, you want mm-hmm. to try to get these three guys, you know, Haas, Armstrong, you get Broden in there, you know, I mean, and, and leave Satania for your special teams guys. But there's could be things that we might not be seeing behind the scenes. And I'm not saying this is any truth. I'm not saying anything. I'm just, throwing it out there that maybe he's not getting the routes down. Maybe he's not getting the, the plays. You know, there's something that he is not coming together to mm-hmm. where he's earned that spot. I mean, so, I mean, if you want to use him in some, you know, what do you say, gimmick plays. Well, I mean, even like, you know, we used Jared Cornelius for mm-hmm. end of rounds or yep. we did some with Davion Warren even in more recent. So, uh, you know, he's got the speed. So, I mean, just utilize it if you can. It doesn't have to be all the time, but get him in there for 30% of the snaps. Yeah, I, I think that that's going to be a big thing that, I, you know, coming moving forward, they, they got to. I mean, because you, you look at the production, you know, if you're – Say you're going up against – look at these defenses that you're about to go up against. That You know, Alabama, mm-hmm. Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, you know, th- these defenses, if they know they only got to key on house and Armstrong and now, okay, our linebacker can kind of, you know, spy on uh, highs, you got to get somebody else in there that they're not mm-hmm. ready for. Spread it out a little bit. And, 
So, but that, again, building the playbook, building your offense, and, and we can see things are starting. But, you know, KJ, as you see on the stats before us, you know, he was 21 for 31, 289, had three, three touchdown passes. He did get sacked four times. And, of course, the two interceptions. Which um, one of those I think we should take away just because yeah. it was the Hail Mary at the end. Yes, yeah, that, that wasn't. Yeah. But that one was, a, it, it was, you know, kind of a right there blanket <laughs> Well, yeah, a blanket throw. So, I mean, and that could that's the downfall of we praise him for trusting his offense and trusting the fact that he was able to move around in the pocket, but then he still has that tendency, and I think that's going to go down with time. The trust is starting to build, but he's still the captain. He still feels like he's got to put this team on his back, and you could see that result of that interception and those sacks of, you know, holding onto the ball a little bit too long. Mm-hmm. Again, I think if Rocket comes back or, you know, if you get another, you know, we didn't see much A.J. Green. He had three carries for, you know, no yards on that, you know, after he had that big run last week. So, that's where, you know, you're only getting – you had a net 137 yards rushing. So, that's going to be a big part of you've really got to get that run game going other than K.J. Again, K.J. shouldn't be carrying the ball 16 times. For 75 yards. Um, again, you know, they take away 27 yards of those sacks and he ended up having 48 yards. But mm-hmm. you look on the flip side and Jaden Daniels, he went 20 for 29, had 320. He was only sacked twice, and but <clears throat> he had the interception, which was crazy because the very next play we gave it right back to him. So it's – that yeah, was, was unfortunate. Looking, looking at the, like the start of the game, you know, for LSU it went, I think it was – punt, interception, punt, and then after that, they kind of started settling in. It still wasn't pretty, um, especially, you know, going into the half with a three-point game, but you could kind of see, especially with that touchdown at the end of the first half, that uh, they had found their rhythm Mm -hmm. with our defense. Um, Jaden Daniels was settling in. Uh, You you knew they were going to go, obviously, trying to score. I didn't think it was going to be that quick, Um, but – you know, it's it, you kind of were like, okay, LSU's about to start maybe rolling here. So, what are we going to do to stop it? Yeah. And, you know, it was, it, I think that a lot of it was um, clock control. Yeah. Uh, with the new clock rules, I mean, I think we had nine more minutes than they did time of possession. Um, so, we saw, you know, going out of bounds, all that stuff. I mean, clock keeps going, which we had some long run or long drives. Um, it's it's tough, you know, sitting there dissecting everything as the game was going on. I think one of my biggest irritations was using all three timeouts uh, with before eleven minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah, and you got because look, here's here's the thing with that. In time of possession, Arkansas had the ball thirty four minutes to LSU's twenty five. So I mean. But the good thing was, you were eight for 13 on third downs. You did very well. You were one for one on the fourth down, you know, the fake. I mean, you had some plays that we, when we talk about, if you know you're going up a team that has more talent and you can't, like that drive at the end of the second half, you can't give them extra motivation. Knowing they get the ball right back because you look at that, that score going to the half and then that very opening uh, drive, you know, you get the score. So, you you got to keep your foot on, you know, especially your defense. And it could be a, a little drive like that, that LSU's like, okay, we know how we can 
match up with them now on defense. On defense, mm-hmm. we know their weaknesses, and all it takes is that one chink in the armor to, you know, open things up. And I think mm-hmm. that's what happened last night. But they did; they, they responded well. And and you said, I mean, there was times where, you know, the play clock. I mean, one case in in, in the instance where KJ was sending the guy in motion with three seconds left on play, and Sam pointed. I mean, that's still that's that's on KJ on that one. You got to be mm-hmm. if you know. Expect your drive. You can't give them any yardage. You can't give them any penalty yardage and back yourself in a corner. You got to either one. Again, I know we're talking about the timeout issue, but I mean, what do you do? Trade a timeout, or you try to just eat that one and take the five yards and then keep on going. But you got to be more mature in that situation and knowing mm-hmm. where the play clock is, knowing where it's at, and really take command of those drives. Yeah, I mean, the play clock, from what I gathered, was directly in front of either offense. So, he's looking right at the play clock. Yeah. It's something you have to pay. I mean, whether you're looking at it at the side of your eye or something, that's always got to be – your eyes have to go there. Yeah. Um, you know, especially if it's winding down. So, I don't know if it was plays getting in late or just everybody getting lined up, whatever it was, but it just – it was tough to watch. And I'm – I didn't try to let it overshadow the rest of the second half because I always look at. I mean, there was other things that they could have done. Yeah. Um, so you know, it's you, you, that's easy to pinpoint or fall back on, but there were you know there are other things that they could have fixed. Well, and, um, and the, the thing two. that shot us in the foot too, and like um, right here is we yeah uh, we'd get a big play, we'd start building momentum, mm-hmm. and then a hold or a penalty or a, a false start or whatever. I mean, the first touchdown that KJ threw, and I think we had the big hold. But yeah. I think it was was a Bo Limmer, I think. Yep. Um, you know, then we added another one and a half to two minutes onto the yes, we still scored, but then we took another one and a half to two minutes off the clock because of that. Yeah, and that, that's where, you know, you go into the halftime. I mean, if you could have had an extra possession, you know, that mm-hmm. one, you get the chance to score and then get the ball back opposed to they scored and then get the ball back. That, those are huge dynamics of the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, just 30, 45 seconds doesn't seem like a lot, but if you have three timeouts in 45 seconds, that's a lifetime. Um, another thing I was going to say is, you know, say if you're – you know KJ's a guy, he's looking at the sideline, and, you know, you've got so many people on the sideline. Have somebody be a spotter, like, okay, there's eight seconds left. Somebody send him a signal like, okay, we got eight seconds left. Get get Just either, you know, if, if they're giving him the okay to check and – you know, change the play, you know, audible, you know, with 10 seconds, eight seconds left, they need to either audible or you need to be going with the play and, and run it because yeah. you can't burn time, especially in a team like in, you, you can look at the next four, three games. You can't give them extra possessions. You can't give them extra yardage because you're going to be a dog fights these next three weeks. And hopefully with this, them going back on this film, They'll see the stuff that they need to work on. But I think there was a lot more positives than negatives when it comes out of this oh. game on, on the offensive side and even the defensive side. Yes, I, I made a statement that they got gashed, and, and it was in the second half. But there's things where they still went toe-to-toe with one of the top teams in the country. And looking at how everything went down with BYU, who ended up getting beat by Kansas, you can't – like I said, you can't be – looking but nothing but optimistic, of course, be frustrated that you lost because it was a game that you could have won. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot more positives moving into next week. 
Oh yeah. I mean, and it's like a lot of the frustrations and things that I've seen, um, you know, God forbid online starting with last night and even in today is there, there was a lot of negative cause we lost, yeah. but a lot of the same folks that have been so down and out and negative are also the same folks that were calling for a blowout. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like, wh- which is it? I mean, I called, I mean, I had us losing by 17. Mm-hmm. I am perfectly fine. I mean, obviously winning the game, but then playing like we did, I'd rather lose by three than lose by 20. Oh yeah. That, I mean, that would have been horrible. Yeah. I mean, and there, there's yeah. things to build on from this game. Um, yes. I wish we were honestly, I mean, four and oh, obviously, but you know, at least three and one, two and two hurts. It hurts yeah. to look at, especially when you've got, you know, teams coming up on your schedule that are four and oh, Mm-hmm. And getting ranked that shouldn't be ranked. Missouri. Missouri. I'm looking at you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, it's you tough, but games, at the same though. time, you know, it, you know, it, in that situation, it's a lose lose because fans are going to come after it uh, regardless, no matter how big the loss was. Yeah, and and where that stinks is the fact because now you're you're kind of put behind the eight ball of. You can't have another three-point loss. You can't have another heartbreaking loss to A&M. So it's almost put you in the position that you kind of got to win this game. We we said in the beginning of the year, you got this four-game stretch. You got to you got to split it. You got to split it two or two down the middle. Mm-hmm. I had them, of course, losing to LSU, but I have them winning again next week. But I also had them beating BYU. So, but yes, it, it does put you because now. You're building this momentum. It's almost like you're the flow of the game. We talk about you're building this momentum, and then there's a setback. I think if you have a heartbreaking loss to AM, you, you can't afford to have that. I just think with, with the momentum, you have this high coming off the game. Yes, you did lose, but you have things to work on. You know you're going into an AM game, another battle where it's been just like LSU, three points, you know, one-score games. You've had a chance to win it. Look at Cam Little bouncing back and making three field goals last night. You know, you have that aspect. And then, of course, you know, with all the crap that Max Fletcher was getting, you know, people saying that he, you know, he dude had two bad kicks all year, and they're calling for his head. You know, mm-hmm. now we're coming in. He, they, he gets his confidence back on the fake, and, you know, he's back up and big man on campus, you know, with his confidence. All that's moving forward, and I hopefully that turns into – a win next weekend in Dallas because there's only going to be a couple more games left in in Dallas before it goes back to home and home. And I think ending that on a streak would be huge for for the fans and, of course, the program. Yeah, which if the fans haven't heard, next year is the last year for Jerry World and this game, which is – it just – I think it adds more to it when it's home and home. Yeah. Uh, Playing on neutral sites I think takes away – uh, from the atmosphere. Um, but, you know, we both looked at this four or five game stretch as, I mean, we had us coming in three, you know, and I had this as a, no, I had this one as a loss. Yeah. And then I had A&M as a swing game. And then I had Ole Miss as a win. Yeah. Um, you know, at the, after the BYU uh, game, I was uncertain of how this stretch was going to go. Cause I thought we could easily be looking at, two and five which we all know we can't let happen but now you know seeing Ole Miss more seeing Alabama more seeing what we've seen of Texas A&M I mean these are three winnable games yeah and that's not just saying that from the fan standpoint or the Arkansas homer standpoint that's just 
facts that these are three winnable games. And I think that gives you hope. Playing mm-hmm. how you did against LSU, you know, there's a lot of fight. And you've seen a lot of the players that, that were tweeting afterwards, like McLaughlin and, and Dominion, you know, KJ, you know, talking about, you know, look, you know, we lost, but, hey, we're ready to get back at it, you know. And mm-hmm. I think that's a positive side of it that, yes, they lost, but they're still like, oh, look, we know what's coming up. You know, we only got one conference loss. You know, hey, you you run the table. You you, I mean, it, I'm just saying. You know, hypothetically, you run the table. You're still in a great seat. You know, for being yeah. in the SEC West. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying, but that's where you you still got a chance to make some noise in this conference. You still have a chance. Not all is lost. I know last week it seemed doom and gloom, but that's just how frustrating that game was. Now we're on to you know the LSU because we knew how important last week's game was for it to win. Because now mm-hmm. you're sitting at two and two. You could again. You got three games where you could be two and five, or you could end up making it where you split. Now look, you split two games of this, and and you you're mm-hmm. now you're four and two or four and three or whatever. You know you're still sitting pretty moving into the final stretch of the season. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But we're going to take a quick break. After the break, we'll continue our conversation about the LSU game and really deep dive into the Texas A&M. Look ahead to that, and then of course we'll preview our special episode tomorrow night at seven o'clock with Coach. Former coach, Houston Nutt, we'll catch you after the break. Attention DOIers and home improvement enthusiasts. Are you searching for the right tools and the supplies to tackle your next project? Look no further than Mentors Hardware Store. With locations in Ozark, Alma, and Clarksville, our vast selection of hardware and building materials is sure to have everything you need, whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or building a new deck. Most of our knowledgeable staff is always on hand to offer expert advice and guidance. And with our competitive prices and convenient online ordering, Metro's Hardware Store is your one-stop shop for all your DIY needs. Visit us today, and let's build something amazing together. Are you in need of legal representation? Look no further than the law offices of Robertson, Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson. As the oldest law firm in the River Valley, we have been serving our clients for over 100 years, with locations in Ozark, Fort Smith, and Springfield. Our experienced team of attorneys provide expert guidance and advocacy in a wide range of legal areas, including personal injury, family law, criminal defense, and more. Trust in our history and experience to get the results you deserve. Contact the law offices of Robertson Beasley, Shipley, and Robinson today at 479-782-8813. That's 479-782-8813. Are you looking for a place to grab a cold drink and some delicious food? Look no further than Arkansas Brewing Company. Located at 201 South 1st Street in beautiful downtown Ozark, our establishment offers a wide selection of craft beers and tasty eats. But what sets us apart is our welcoming atmosphere and friendly staff. At Arkansas Brewing Company, you'll always feel like part of the family. So visit Destiny and Christopher Brockett and staff today and see for yourself what makes us the go-to spot for locals and visitors alike. Arkansas Brewing Company, come for the drinks and stay for the friends. Searching for premium brewery products that will take your daily routine to the next level? Look no further than Sterling Soap Company. Our handmade soaps, aftershaves, and balms are made with only the finest ingredients that give you the ultimate grooming experience. With a variety of scents to choose from, there's something for everyone. Plus, our products are crafted in small batches to ensure the highest level of quality. So why wait? Visit www. Sterlingsoap.com or visit our retail store at 16 West Walnut Street in Paris, Arkansas. Shop our collection and discover the difference for yourself. 
Upgrade your grooming routine with Sterling Soap Company. And welcome back to the Hog Talk Podcast. And, and talking a little bit as we wrap up, talking about the LSU game moving forward, you know, what I'll end it on is, you know, that last drive, that controversial drive of, you know, the tough spot of do you let them score or do you try and hold them? And, and man, it, it was tough to watch because, look, the, the team played great. Mm-hmm. Yes, the defense was giving up yards. The, the, the offense was – but it's hard for me, and this is tough to say because it, it's – the team played great. But, it, but it's hard for me to sit there and, and think that coach didn't – I know you don't want to let them score, but in the essence of letting them score to give yourself – have a chance to have the ball back. As a head coach, I would want the ball in whose hands I have the best faith in. Defense preventing them from scoring or the offense knowing that they've done really well. You know, you let them score and then you don't. I, I still thought they had a better chance of scoring opposed to trying to hold them, just how the game was going. And it was just hard seeing how much the offense have improved. Mm-hmm. Watching that clock tick, again, yes, it goes back to burning those timeouts. But, man, I just wish that they would have just let them score and not with 40 seconds left. I mean, let them score with a minute something left. Give KJ and the offense enough time where they're not rushing. You could put a drive together and then um, give them a chance to at least score and tie the game and put this thing in overtime. Or, hey, drop the balls. Let's score and try to go for two and win the game. You you never know. But I I just wish they would have gave KJ the chance to come out. And I know that it's – look, if if you're on the side of Pittman – the defense, there's no really no wrong answer because I can see both sides of it. But I'm on the side of I wish they would have let the offense have a chance to come out and score. Yeah, we, I mean, the group I was watching with, I think in that last little two plus minutes, I mean, we tried to play every which scenario in our, you know, just throwing out there what they should do, what should happen, whatever. And it came out numerous times just let them score, just let them score, just to give a, Arkansas more time. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't know what Brian Kelly was going to do with their timeouts. Um, I did get a little, I don't, I'm not going to say irritated, but I'm like, why are you having to run down all the way to the 10 yard line to call your timeouts? Why can your quarterback not call your timeout? Well, and I think a lot of that was because <laughs> again, I think that that Brian Kelly was thinking coach was going to let him score. I mean, he, he, you're having to, it's almost like you're going to go kick the field goal. You, you let the clock run down and then you call a timeout. I think that's one of them things that he was thinking that he's trying to see what Sam Pittman's going to do. And the fact that you're running the clock, you're controlling your side of the ball. And I think mm-hmm. whether the quarterback's calling a timeout or he's calling a timeout, you're doing what you need to do on your side of it because, again, I thought he was thinking, well, they're just going to let us score. I'm going to run this thing down each play as much as possible because, say, like if there's – say there's a minute and 37 seconds left and they just run the play. Arkansas lets them score and there's a minute 24 left. Well, Brian Kelly's letting that thing go all the way down to the minute, 58 seconds, and then say there's 45 seconds left with a kickoff. I mean, you're doing that – to ensure that Arkansas is going to have the least yeah. amount of time when, if they got the ball back, but it ended up not happening. 
Yeah, and I think I was just more like irritated at him getting outside the coach's yeah. box. Oh yeah, and going well, look all at the way down to the ten. Like you've got a quarterback, you've got a ref nearby. Like you, you don't need to be down on the ten yard line or five yard line. You could have been uh, like Jimbo and almost had a tackle yesterday. Exactly. I mean, you know, he he pulled a Mike Tomlin on him, and you know, stepping out on the field. Who was that? You know, uh, Ole Miss basketball coach that <laughs> that they gave us such a hard time for being on the court. What was, was it? Andy, uh, he had a weird name. I can't remember. Yeah. Somebody can say it in the comments, but it was it was the Ole Miss basketball coach, and they had made it that he was still out there on the court like four days after the game was over with. But it was it was it was hilarious. But yeah, you know, again, moving forward into the Texas A and M game at Jerry's World, it's going to be one of them. I wouldn't say a must win because again, it's. I just think you really need to win this game. I, I mm-hmm. think it's going to be. You, you only lost by three, so it's like, okay, you don't want another one- to three-point loss against Texas A&M because that's going to be another one, uh, that monkey off their back. I think getting the monkey off their back and winning this game, could it, it's going to make the LSU game look better opposed to, all right, they, they put things together, they fell short against LSU, now they're getting more things together and they beat Texas A&M. I think that's really going to be a big deal when it comes to next week to see – Again, progression. We wanted progression after the BYU game. We've seen it. Now let's see if they can take that, get things together, not use all your damn timeouts in the third quarter, fourth quarter, and then and then put together a win. Yeah, and, I mean, we've seen already – I mean, I know uh, Texas A&M only – I say only put up 27 uh, this yesterday, but, I mean, they're looking real quick. They put up 52, 48, and 47. So we know they can score. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be, you know, what can our defense hold them back a little bit? Yeah. Because we don't want to get a shootout with them. Sorry, we don't want to. Um, I'm not sure that our offense is there yet to get into a 40, 50 point shootout. Um, I'm looking and see they're averaging right at about 40 points a game. They're only allowing 17. But things are different once you get into SEC play, those numbers are going to shift after you get your non-cons out of the way. Um, because, I mean, they played a couple of nobodies just like Arkansas did. So Yeah, and, and also they, you know, Moss, and he had uh, 15. Well, he had 97 yards total. I mean, mm-hmm. had four for – so he gained 101 yards, had four for a loss, 90, but he almost had 100 yards rushing. And then Daniels had 85. So this is going to be the first time we're really going to have to respect a, a balanced attack. You know, you look – this is going to be more of a running attack. They had 226 yards rushing and only had 193 yards passing. So, if, if you know you're coming out with the BYU team that is guns blazing, LSU guns blazing, now you're going to see more of a balanced attack. But, again, you got Bobby Petrino back there, and he knows how to, you know. I think the thing that helps with this is Bobby Petrino – hasn't seen really how Travis Williams schemes up things a lot. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. Barry Odom, and you know exactly kind of what he's thinking, you know. Yeah. And then, of course, if you're breaking in, you know, if Max Johnson's he gets the start or they're going to try to go with, with, with Connor, you don't know what edge is there for Arkansas' side of it. And if especially with Bobby Petrino's offense, you're going to go with the guy you trust the most. It's a complex offense to run, so – this is going to be a very evenly matched up game. I feel I feel good about the game because it's a game that I like. You said it's winnable. They just got to finally put all the pieces together. Can't have those brain farts on offense with the penalties. I mean, you eliminate 
half your penalties, you could have won the game last night. I mean, you put yourself in a position to score. I mean, it's it's always little things that that's what's the, I think in the grand scheme of this season so far that's the most frustrating. It's always these little things like penalties. And, and, well, you didn't get the running game going, but you had the pass game going. Well, your pass game's going or not going really well, but your run game's going. And then the defense. It's just we're waiting for that one game where they finally put everything together, and this game could be it. Well, and we saw – Max Johnson was A&M's quarterback last year when we played yeah. him. Um, so, you know, we've seen him before, but obviously it's a different system. I think last year I'm looking – he went 11 for 21 for and. 51 yards last season against us. I think that was the lowest scoring A&M Arkansas game that there's been so far. Um, it was down in the low 20s. I don't think we're going to see that uh, this weekend. But, you know, I know Texas A&M came, in, came out favored six and a half, which isn't really a shocker. Not surprised by that. But, you know, it's it's Bobby Petrino is going to try to prepare. But like you said, he's not going to know what – what he's going to see from our defense. Yeah. Like I said, he doesn't have Barry Odom who he's seen and played against and all that. Um, so do I think he's going to try to pull out the tricks? I do. Um, you know, we saw what happened with Missouri state last season and this time Petrino has better athletes and more money with Texas A&M than he got up there. So, you know, we'll see what he brings to the table. Um, I think that it's, it's going to be a hard fought game. Either way. Yeah, and, you know, Texas A&M, they're, they're always that one that you look, yeah, they have really good success against Arkansas, and they always seem to have a falling off, you know. So, mm-hmm. they're really coming into this game kind of like BYU. They want to make a statement. Now, look, you know, that we're, we're on a mission. We, we, we took care of Auburn 27-10. We want to come in, and we don't want a close game. We want to come in and convincingly beat Arkansas. We want mm-hmm. to prove that, hey, look – especially how wide open the West is. You know, there, there's really not a clear-cut team. And you look at either side. There's not a clear-cut number one team in the SEC. It's it's for anybody's taking, really. So, Texas A&M could be in that prime spot of, like, all right, this could be our year where it could be us. And if they come in with that and take advantage of Arkansas and really expose their defense or they start having, you know, getting the ball, like, turnovers go their way, I mean, they're they're coming in the mindset of we want to make a statement because we still got some teams to play and we want to, to you know everybody's looking at Alabama. We we they're this is the most beatable Alabama is, but I think with Texas and Arkansas's game, it's a rivalry. They're not overlooking that Alabama game coming up because they know how important this game is. And the the question I would pose to the audience and even you. Who is this game more important for Texas A&M? And I want to look at the levels. I mean, of course, if you overall, it's it's more important for Arkansas because you can't go into this and fall in, in the losing column. But you can almost say it's kind of even. Is it more important for Texas A&M or Arkansas to win this game? Well, so I look at it as it's kind of more important for Arkansas. Um, you can kind of flip it. Yeah. Al- or, Texas A&M plays Alabama the week after, whereas we've got Ole Miss and then Alabama. So it's one of those, is A&M going to be looking ahead to that game? Um, we, I don't, you know, it's one of those, that's two more games after this A&M one. So we don't need to be looking that far ahead, but from the standpoint of not 
getting so down on yourself to where the next few games are just potential just knockouts. I mean, you I think Arkansas has to win. Yes, yeah. And I'll I'll just just for the argument's sake of it, I'll make a case where I, I, it's more important for Texas A and M. Again, we're just what I talked about the fall off. You you beat say you win Auburn twenty seven ten, then you come in and you beat Arkansas by fourteen. You win fourteen seventeen points. That momentum carrying into an Alabama game, you've beat them before too. You know you won on the last mm-hmm. second field goal the year before last. I want to say. Um, yeah. they, they beat Alabama. So they're going to the game that they've won before. So you keep that momentum because we've always seen when they drop a game, it seems like the wheels kind of fall off. So you could, again, flip it 50-50, but this is just as important. And I think that's – honestly, that's what's going to make this game a very good game. It's going to make it to where both teams are going to be playing hard because I think both teams have the same amount of risk when it comes to what do we have to lose in this game – I think it's going to make for one hell of a game. Yeah, and I know a lot of people are, I mean, moaning and groaning about the 11 a.m., but it is what it is. Um, I, I don't care if they suit up at 8 o'clock in the morning. I mean, they need to come prepared. So that's what this week's going to be all about. Uh, time, time. I think the game time is just more for the fans and yeah, what's on definitely. TV and whatnot. Uh, I think that um, – I think that we need to not think about Petrino so much as our former coach and just look at it from, I mean, he's got an offensive mind and he's going to have his quarterback prepared. He always does. So, you know, that Texas A&M, they looked, their defense looked pretty good against Auburn, but I think they rank in the nineties in turnover differential. So that's something that we've got to come out and protect the ball. Um, you know, I think there was a couple of um, plays where KJ was on the run and lost the football whenever he got hit on the scramble, and, and I think little, things like that cannot happen. Yeah, you got to you got to shape because you've been you know you had such a good turnover margin heading into the BYU game, and then you had the turnovers against BYU, then you had the the interception against or I guess you can say two if credit for one. I know that was a hail mary, but you know you're getting these turnovers that are starting to be come a problem every game you you've got to shape those up and really coming in this game limit those again because you're going up against a team that has more talent than you you can't give them extra extra possessions you can't especially if this is a tie game or you're down seven or let's swing it you're up seven that that seven point ahead or seven point Mm -hmm. behind swing where you're running down the field and then you get a turnover what yeah, momentum he, you had now goes immediately back to Texas A&M. Yeah, and then we see a question here. Could Petrino feel he has something to prove with that happened at Arkansas? I think that's I always going to yeah. be talked about anytime he plays Arkansas. I think it's more so uh, like last season, even though it was Missouri State, with him being the head coach um, and coming into Fayetteville is a little bit different than, say, it's going to be now as OC if them playing in Arlington. I don't think it's going to have as much of a factor from his standpoint. No, he he's had his he's had his time, and I tell you mm-hmm. what, I'll go even further back than that. I think knowing the not no, I don't know him, but I'm saying just knowing the type of person he is, I think he was one of them that got so much gratification from watching the John L. Smith days, the Chad Morris days. I think that gave him and his ego that much more gratification of knowing. 
if they would have kept me, we would have kept winning. And now look at them now that I'm gone. I think he's that type of person. I, I think he's more focused on trying to prove to himself as a whole that he still can coach in the SEC. I don't think he's got anything to prove to – I don't think this has anything to do with Arkansas anymore. I think it has to do with mm-hmm. himself of I want to prove that I'm still one of the top OCs. I still got it. You know, I went to Missouri State. But then again, you know, he went to UNLV and then jumped ship right back to 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 uh, Jimbo. So I mean, I mean, he's showing he same a tendencies. Bobby Petrino, and that's what he's done. Well, Dana Altman. <laughs> yeah, that too. Okay, oh, yeah. but you know, it's I, I look at it like it's done and gone. It's been eleven years now, or however many years. So. I mean, all Bobby Petrino has to do is pull up any social media and he'll have a plethora of Arkansas fans that are still either wanting him to or thinking that he should never been fired or wanting him to come back. Yeah. So if he, if he wants the love from Arkansas, there's plenty out there. Mm-hmm. There so is. It's I just mean, one of those when it comes down to us playing each other, I mean, all the gloves need to come off. Well, look, look, look at we'll go into our guest tomorrow mm-hmm. night. There's mm-hmm. still people who want Houston Mutt back. Winning cures all. And this is nothing against Bobby Petrino. This is nothing against Houston Nutt. Winning cures all. I've said that when it comes to the War Memorial debate. I've said it when it comes to Bobby Petrino. I've said it when it comes to Houston Nutt. If Arkansas starts winning, they're they're not going to remember, or they're going to remember, but they're not going to be bringing that up because, you know, Sam Pittman's getting us to that point to where Bobby had us. He's getting us to the point to where Houston Nutt had us. You know, and, and again, we have Houston Nutt coming on tomorrow night at, at 7. We're going to talk about the season a little bit, talk about his his new documentary on Hogs Plus Resurgence. But, again, you a, a guy that had a plane flying over the stadium wanting him gone, there's still people 25 years later that are talking about mm-hmm. him coming back. You know, it, it and I know that it would never happen. I'm just saying there's still that people because of what he did. The success mm-hmm. he did have. And the same with Bobby Petrino. We know that if they really wanted to put pen to paper, you probably have 40 to 45% of the fan base that would be willing to take him back. And that's and there might be more. I don't know. I, I think there's probably more. And even the ones that may be against it at first, like you said, winning cures all, you know, if he starts doing what he did before, then it's completely forgotten about. Yep. Or that's just a little blemish on the record and they look the other way and so on and so forth. They don't care anymore. So, you know, it's one of those, but going back to this season, and I know this is a a question that we've asked a few times and we may ask it a few more times with the, before the season's over, you know, looking back at 2021, the nine win season under Sam Pittman, do we feel like that was a fluke season? Yeah, I mean that that's what it makes yeah. And and this is where I know there's been comparisons of Coach Pittman and Mike Anderson, but but mm-hmm. if this goes into that one fluke year, you you're gonna start putting him into the, the Brett Bielema discussion. Mm-hmm. Because everything was going good for Brett, then he got cocky, arrogant, went down to Texas, started saying the things down there in Texas about those type of players won't work in his system. Then he had that the TV show, you know, being Brett Bielema, had the mm-hmm. newborn. Then he had all them things going on, and it just like, the you know, and then, of course, you know, Pittman and Enos left, and you've seen just everything fall off. you got to keep winning. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just how it is. And 
not saying you got to win nine, ten games every single year, but you've at least got to go 500 or above in SEC play and win all your non-conference games, or give or take every other year, mm-hmm. to be where you're competitive. You can't keep on having these five, six, seven win seasons because, again, like all the fans say, are we, no matter what history says, are we accepting mediocrity? Mm-hmm. And you can't accept it. Uh, we were just going back and talking to the group I was with last night about that season compared to now and what has happened since Pittman's taken over. And, you know, our biggest thing with going back and looking at that 2020 se- or 2021 season or the super seniors that we had on the team, and, you know, was that a big effect on it? Was yeah. it coaching? Like, we were trying to figure out what it is then versus now that has, you know, was that the peak or are we going to get back to that spot? Yeah, and, and it's hard to tell because, you know, mm-hmm. with your new coaching staff, with mm-hmm. the, with House, and this thing, I think there's it's, it's more positives than negatives. I mean, you got you got a new defensive coordinator. you got a new – and this is not making excuses because, you know, what we had predicted or what I, I had predicted at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. But you still have to look back of this is a whole new coaching staff on both sides of the ball. Sam Pittman's been really successful in the transfer portal. He's been really successful in not only getting the transfer portal guys. Look at the transfer guys he's got this year in Armstrong and Tesla that has already went above and beyond what they did last year. They've already proven to us they're SEC receivers. They're not just D2 kits, you know, or, or, or you know, community college and D2 kits. You know, yeah. he's produced people. He's put people in the NFL. And so there is that glimmer of you get things rolling, you buy in, and it from the – way the players are talking, they're still bought in. And that's the only thing people matter. We mean nothing in the grand scheme of this football program. We just talk and react, but our opinions doesn't mean jack squat when it comes to the people inside that building. That's the family. That's the inner circle, and that's the only ones that really matter when it comes to how are they going to respond. And I think I just have that gut feeling. I hope that this turns into a gut feeling that I'm right of, I think they're finally going to put everything together and bring home a win and get this thing to where it's it's where we thought this team could be, even if it's eight wins. It's like get it to better where it was last year and show mm-hmm. progress. That's all I'm asking. Yeah, exactly. Well, if Adam, that was another quick, quick show <laughs> again for us tonight. Um, again, hopefully we'll – we're going to be celebrating a Texas a when we come back next Sunday. But, again, we have Coaching Houston Nut on the show tomorrow. Look, if you have any questions you want us to ask him, join in, drop some questions. Our DMs are open. Throw us your questions. We'll open mm-hmm. them up and ask him and answer as much as we can as possible. Yeah, and if you haven't watched uh, Resurgence on Hogs Plus, maybe you'll want to more before the show, after the show, but it is definitely – something worth watching exactly well that will do it for another episode of the hog talk podcast for adam hall i'm porter hayes and we will catch you tomorrow night at seven o'clock thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.